Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden your American friend with a passion for British royal history. Before we get into today's episode, I do have an update that I have been alluding to in previous episodes. As many of you know, I'm a classically trained musician who has a big hobby and interest in history, clearly. But I was in doctoral school, and I was coming up on a lot of exams, and a lot of big things were happening. Well, those didn't go according to plan, and... I have made the very real and difficult decision to actually take some time away from graduate school. I'm in the process of moving back home, and these next two weeks will be a little stressful as I transition out from graduate school, heading back home, and getting my setup back to how it needs to be, and beginning this new chapter, wherever it may take. Podcast is still going to be here. We're still going to have digital content and things expanding and more stuff for you to participate in. But that's, I can concretely say that this is happening. The next two weeks might be a little scatterbrained, but there we go. I can officially talk about it. Today's episode is one that's more serious, and we are going to be delving into the details of Prince Andrew and the scandal currently going on. It is something that is very much at the forefront of everybody's minds. There's a lot of press coverage right now. While a lot of us know the bare bones of the facts, there's of course a lot of conjecture, a lot of fluff pieces, a lot of people really reading into fine details, and in some cases the truth can be a little bit lost. So today we have three goals that we're going to achieve. We're going to discuss the concrete facts that we know of the case and where everything falls. We're going to then discuss the general public opinion, what the public thinks, and also discuss what the royal family's been doing. And lastly, we'll put everything into this proverbial mixing pot to try to understand and come to our own opinions. That's always been a goal here, even if I try to make history engaging and talk about current events. We always want to try to understand the facts and then from there be able to make our own opinions. 
As an aside, being over here in America, we don't necessarily hear too much about Prince Andrew, unless it's clearly something of this magnitude. I remember growing up as a kid and even as a teenager, not really seeing much about him when he was working or anything like that, unless it was either something about Fergie and her feet again, or if it was something pertaining to this. I remember when these bubbles began to bo uh, boil, I remember this happening, but I we never paid too much attention to Prince Andrew, at least where I am in the Midwest. I can't speak for other cities. But let's establish a little bit of a background about Prince Andrew. And he's always been a little bit of a colorful character. So Prince Andrew is the third child and the second son of the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh. He was the spare for the longest time until Prince Charles and Princess Diana had William. And then at that point, he was knocked out. And once they had Harry, he his hopes of ever being the spare again were thwarted. He was born February 16th, 1960. And he was known for a good while as a war hero for his work as a helicopter pilot in the Falkland War. Falklands War, excuse me. And that really gave him this reputation of this war hero uh, being this helicopter pilot. Not trying to discredit that, but there are two sides to every coin. And the other side of it is he had a reputation for being this playboy. He loved models and actresses, being this party prince, this wealthy bachelor, this all this extravagance. He developed... Uh, somewhat of a negative reputation that I've heard from people that have either worked for him, whether it's palace staff or anybody that uh, just had any business connections with him, just haven't said the most positive of things about him. Let's put it that way. But he was known for being a playboy prince and even developed the reputation of being, quote, Randy Andy in the press. We see a little bit of this playboy behavior play out in season four of The Crown when he actually gets introduced as a character. There's a few episodes where he shows up and you can see that uh, Peter Morgan is taking a specific stance with him, but you can see a little bit of that. Granted, it is a fictitious show, but again, it's something that we can use as, as a reference point. A lot of people have speculated that Prince Andrew is the Queen's favorite child, but there is no definitive concrete evidence to back that up besides hearsay and other conjecture from people close to the royal family and who have been reporting and following them for years, much longer than I have. I haven't been able to find any concrete evidence to declare that, but based off behavior that we've seen in recent years pertaining to Prince Andrew until about a week ago, it would suggest that there was some form of favoritism. Now, things have think things have changed, but it has been the longest-running rumor that Prince Andrew has been the Queen's favorite. So, now that we've established a little bit of a background, let's get into the core of the scandal. So, the scandal surrounding Prince Andrew is his sexual assault, rape, abuse of Virginia Roberts Guffrey, and his connections to Epstein, where Epstein, before he committed suicide was being brought on federal sex trafficking charges and to Maxwell, who was found guilty of conspiring to help Epstein with sex trafficking. So that's where the core of the scandal is. He's been accused of rape and being a part of this sex trafficking ring as well. And the ball of this scandal began to roll down the hill in 2015 
Prince Andrew was mentioned in a federal lawsuit against Epstein in Florida in 2015, and that is where Miss Guffrey's her case came forward. She has stated that in 2001, she was trafficked to Prince Andrew at the age of 17, where he went and raped her. Shortly after that was brought forward, pictures began to surface of the prince with Guffrey, and at that point, the ball's starting to roll. He's been accused. And for the longest time, the royal family did deny, deny, deny. Prince Andrew didn't really do too much. But then things got to build to a point where he needed to say something. And in 2019, he did. Prince Andrew sat down for a formal interview in 2019 with the intent to try to clear his name and distance himself saying, yes, I know I knew them, but I didn't do that. I have no memory. Here's my alibi. And it backfired so so much. It was such a backfire. It did not help his cause at all. And shortly after, in 2019, uh, the press office at Buckingham Palace and the official Instagram and Twitter for the Duke of York said, in a nutshell, he's being pulled out from all royal work and official public duty. He won't be working for the foreseeable future. Okay, thanks, bye. And two things you can take away from that. He still got to keep, he he got to keep everything. His style, title, military titles, all his royal patronages, and essentially his royal paycheck. And he still had that protection of of the crown, but he couldn't work publicly anymore. And they did hint, again, for the foreseeable future that they alluded to, that at some point he would be coming back. This case has gone back and forth, but the main goal from either side is Guffrey is, of course wanting to officially charge him, take him to court, and have him seek justice. And the public is behind her, wanting him to, again, seek justice and uh, be charged if he is to be guilty of all of this. Prince Andrew's team is doing everything they can to discredit her and try to poke holes in her story and her logic, and again, to discredit her story to get him off. Or they've been trying to seek a settlement. They made an attempt last week, in fact, two weeks ago, within these past two weeks, to get the case thrown out. It was brought before a judge in New York where Prince Andrew's team was citing a 2009 agreement that Epstein and Guffrey came to that, in a nutshell, said, here's a large sum of money and here's a contract saying, if anything happens, you can't sue me or any of these people. It It's a lot of detail that's been made public that you can read, but that was essentially the core of it, that that Guffrey got this money, but she could not sue. And it outlined all the rules as to who, what, when, where, why, and how. Prince Andrew's team was trying to say that this applies to him. And in some ways, the public was saying, is this a way of admitting guilt? But... Guffrey's team was defending, no, this does not pertain because this was after when this allegedly happened. And no, we need to go forward. We This case doesn't need to be thrown out. Finally, on Wednesday the 12th, which was the day that I recorded last week's episode, this is where I got something wrong. I had interpreted it as he wasn't formally going to civil court. It was a jury figuring out because the wording was too ambiguous of the agreement. But no, Prince Andrew, his pleas were thrown out and he is officially going to court, uh, civil court, to face the case and charges put forth. The judge had said that the wording for this contract was ambiguous enough to where he couldn't make heads or tails 
if it pertained and nope, we're going to let a jury decide. Nope, this is too ambiguous. You're trying to stretch this so thin. Nope, 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 nope. And it's moving forward. What do we know 100% for sure? Prince Andrew is going to civil court on charges put forth by Ms. Guffries and her team. The date of the trial has not been announced. Just that it's going forward. It could be in a few weeks. It could be in a few months. All the sources that I've read from reputable news outlets have reported that the case will be going forward sometime in the fall. There's time that both sides need to review evidence and prepare their case and to get a jury and go through all that process, but sometime in the fall is when it's happening. Reports are alleging that the Duchess of York, the Duchess of Sussex, and possibly Miss Maxwell could be called to testify in the in the case, whether as character witnesses, alibi, who knows, but they may be called in. And also the princesses, uh, the daughters, may be brought in to testify as well. Prince Andrew has said that he was with his daughters, Princesses Beatrice and Eugenie, in London at the time when Guffrey was saying the sexual assault went down. So they, there's a possibility that they would be called in to uh, corroborate his alibi. But again, nothing has been set in stone yet. This 100%, depending on timing, could loom over the Jubilee celebrations in May and June or where else in the Commonwealth as this case goes forward, especially with it happening in New York and Canada being so close and Canada being a Commonwealth. I've seen back and forth where he might not get his Jubilee medal, but I've also saw where he is. So that is something to look up on your own. On Thursday the 13th, lawyers for Prince Andrew and Miss Guffrey filed a proposed agreement in court making some exchange material confidential, including medical records and the names of sex abuse accusers. The judge hasn't approved it yet, so they brought a whole bunch of material and said, we want to make this confidential. Here's why. Here's ABC. The judge hasn't ruled on it, so they're trying to get a whole bunch of material made confidential. Possibly not admissible in court, but they're trying to remove some materials out of public access so they can have them. Andrew's team could possibly try to seek a settlement out of court. I've seen this story pop up a lot, and it'll make waves one day, be gone the next, make waves again. It's just constant going back and forth. It could be millions on his behalf. It could be any any amount. But this will probably spark a lot of public outrage if they do seek settlement out of court, because at this point, the public has completely turned on Prince Andrew, and they want to see him stand trial. They want to see him be held accountable and to not continue the narrative of if you have money then you can get out of certain things. Uh, Guffrey and her team have been apparently doing everything they can to prove his guilt, are really going over their materials, crossing their t's, dotting their i's, and if they can't put him in jail, Guffrey has said quote, I want to leave him penniless. They have a clear to-do list that they're trying to achieve and what they want to do. We do know that uh, Guffrey's team plans on questioning Prince Andrew's former equerry that he had during this time, again, to try to either cooperate the alibi or to poke holes in the alibi, whatever it is. Prince Andrew's team has requested the mental health records of Guffrey's, and they plan to question her husband and her psychologist, Dr. Judith Lightfoot, you know, under oath on the stand. And their goal is to question, uh, you know, her quote, false memories and accuse, you know, was she in sound mind? Could this be real? Could she be making it up? And they're still going the route to discredit her, to show that she's not in a sound mind, this is all made up, and they're trying to completely discredit her. 
a few days ago, The Mirror put out a whole article trying to outline, okay, how did we get here in terms of how did Prince Andrew and uh, Maxwell get, you know, two very different parts of the world, but yet they somehow came together in this really, you know, sex trafficking scandal. How did, you know, what's this timeline? How did we get here? And there is a Mirror article that I would recommend at least looking up. On Thursday, January 13th, Buckingham Palace made an official formal statement uh, not even 24 hours after the announcement that Prince Andrew would be going to civil court. In a meeting with Her Majesty the Queen and the Duke of York, the following has happened. He can no longer use his HRH style in public anymore. It hasn't been 100% removed from him, but he can no longer use it publicly or in any official function. He has been stripped of all of his military titles and they have been given back to the crown, both ones that he's earned and those that have been honorary titles. These military titles include the following. The Colonel of the Grenadier Guards, the Honorary Air Commodore of the RAF Loosemouth, Colonel-in-Chief of the Royal Irish Regiment, Colonel-in-Chief of the Small Arms School Corps, Commodore-in-Chief of the Fleet Air AIM, Royal Colonel of the Royal Highland Fusiliers, Deputy Colonel-in-Chief of the Royal Lancers, which is Queen Elizabeth's own, and lastly, Royal Colonel of the Royal Regiment of Scotland. All of those military titles, both earned and honorary, have been returned to the Crown. Additionally, all of his royal patronages have been taken away and they have been returned to the crown. They are awaiting redistribution to other royals. These patronages total to around 200 in all, and we'd be here for a while if I tried to name off all of them, but you can easily find those online. Additionally, and lastly, which is probably the most important, he will be facing this trial and everything going forward as a private citizen and not as a member of the royal family. What has Prince Andrew been able to retain? Well, first, he's been able to retain his princedom. He has that by birthright of being a child of the sovereign. He still has the Dukedom of York, the Earldom of Inverness, and the Baronedom of Killyleap, which he received upon his marriage to Sarah Ferguson in 1986. Additionally, he is still in line to the throne. I believe off the top of my head, he's ninth in line to, to the throne. All of these three things, removing him from the line of succession, stripping of his princedom and stripping of those three titles all require acts of parliament and official legislature in order to have them stripped and could take a long time to work their way through. So those haven't been stripped, but everything that could be taken away immediately has been taken away. In these this very quick meeting to strip what they could from him, the Queen was apparently met with Prince Charles and Prince William over all of this to make to make a decision. Who knows how much they were there? We don't know what happens behind closed palace doors. Even if we try really hard, we just don't know. Uh, these discussions took place at Windsor Castle. It was, at, of course, with the Queen, but Prince Charles and Prince William were allegedly there at some point to offer opinion or to pressure her or who, who knows. But I've seen two stories float through about how this happened, where uh, Prince Andrew was not... Prince Andrew was there, he was summoned, brought to Windsor, and could at least partake, and they all came to an agreement. Or two, Prince Andrew was not there, he was summoned, and was just told, here's what's going to happen going, going forward, you have no say here. What I've seen is the most accepted story is that he had no say, he was just summoned and then told. But again, none of us were there to actually partake in those discussions, but 
whatever happened behind those closed doors, he was stripped of what he could be stripped of. What does this mean for the royal family? Well, this very much is a way where the royal family has dropped the curtain down, the complete solid curtain, this act is done, you are completely distanced from us, we are pushing you out. He no longer has the protection of the crown from the wording of he's a private citizen. They are doing their best to protect themselves and have him be over here. So what's his mess is his mess. This we don't associate with that. We don't know. We're not doing any of that. Clarence House and Kensington Palace have not released any official statement on anything. It's just been the official press office from Buckingham Palace that's been releasing everything. But they're tr- they've sort of closed f- flanks, both legally and familially, where they've sort of pushed him out. This is your mess. You take care of it. We're over here, and we're doing our best to protect ourselves. So what is going to happen going going forward? Well, in some way, shape, or form, Prince Andrew is going to civil court. He will stand trial or he will pay a settlement. If both sides agree to a settlement, this would then bring the civil lawsuit to an end. He won't officially go to court if they agree on a settlement. In doing so, Prince Andrew will more than likely not have to admit any liability or wrongdoing, which, in my opinion, would cause public outrage. But in going the settlement route, he could face huge financial costs. So if they go the lawsuit route, uh, they would then have to, both parties would then have to agree upon a schedule and they must make complete legal discovery. So they must go through all of the documents, both sides, and they must take deposition from experts. That needs to happen by July 14th. If in fact it is Uh, thought at that point after legal discovery that it needs to go before trial, then they will, of course, form a jury. And that could get very ugly in terms of airing dirty laundry, getting into the ugly parts of royal history that's in the royal family that they would much rather be forgotten. So those are the two paths right now. Either they settle with a settlement and it doesn't advance any further, or they go through the legal discovery, they then go through everything, do deposition of experts, and then at that point, okay, we're going to trial, form the jury, set a date, and then go from there. But we won't know really anything concretely until probably July. On Monday, January 17th, ITV announced that they were doing a, a documentary titled um, Giseline. Prince Andrew and the Pedophile, and the goal of this documentary was to attempt to explain how we got here. Not to defend anybody, just trying to explain how did we get here. And it is put together by ITV's uh, Ravir Singh, and it was released on Tuesday, January 18th. At the time of recording, I have not watched this documentary. I'm beginning to try to understand what the general public opinion is, but we will report on the documentary next week. So there we go. We've at least discussed (laughs) in length all of the details, but let's review everything. So Prince Andrew's been accused of rape and sex trafficking. Buckingham Palace released an official, official statement. He is officially distanced. He is, quote, he is facing this as a private citizen. He can no longer use his HRH in any capacity and he has been stripped of his military titles and his patronages. The ball is set in motion to go to court, but the ball could take two paths. They could either take a settlement 
and just pay a boatload of money and move on and no party admits guilt or innocence or it actually goes through the entire legal process which at that point it is above my intelligence because i did not study law but that's the two paths it could it could go right now it's going down the actual civil trial path but at any given point if they agree on a settlement it could very much veer over there and then we'd be done what is the general public opinion of all of this in terms of stripping of things going to court just everything that's happened in the last week and a half well the public has been saying this is long overdue they've the general public opinion is that he's guilty in one way shape or form a lot of people are the moment sexual assault and rape comes into the conversation if there's enough little bit of conjecture going on the general public will turn and believe him to be guilty that is what they think they're everybody's sort of going you know this took the thank goodness he's going to court he's going to be held held accountable in one way shape or form through the what the queen has removed from him that brought a lot of public support to the queen they were again going like yes you know you're doing something thank goodness you're siding with us you're punishing him in some way shape or form they do want him to be stripped 100 clean of everything they want everything gone there's enough that go okay you've done something but this is not enough we need a little more we we want more taken away and so um, they want him removed from the line of succession. Uh, more than 100 British military veterans wrote to the Queen demanding the Prince be stripped of his military positions and titles, which that came out in the news the same day that he got stripped of everything. So I bet they're feeling very vindicated. Through the Queen doing what she did, uh, removing what she could, it shows that she is understanding of the public feeling and outrage of all this. She's listening. And now any criticism that he faces is of his own she's completely put you know a line in the sand he's over here we're over there and now he's completely on his own one thing that we're going to spend talking about for a few minutes is in all the press that's come out and everything there's been a constant reinforcement of the word private citizen he is a private citizen dealing with this he is a private citizen just you know bang 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 he's a private citizen why did the royal family explicitly choose that wording it is very cleverly done by the royal family and possibly their own legal team to legally distance themselves not just personally but also as a way to protect themselves and i've seen a few lawyers on social media talk about this and by labeling him as a private citizen and saying that he is going through this process as a private citizen is a way of the royal family protecting their own assets yes this court case is going forward in the united states but the royal family does own property in the united states the queen has a horse farm in kentucky there's a few royal real estates that are owned in new york it's not a lot but there is still property owned in north america and in the united states by the royal family and let's say in a hypothetical situation prince andrew does not show up to court and be through him not showing up to court therefore the judge passes judgment and deems him guilty because he because he didn't show up or in a different scenario he is found guilty of all charges at that point to cover legal bills and just the way that the law works in ways that i don't 100 understand they could seize his assets and in term they could seize the royal family's assets which they 
clearly don't want. They don't want to be associated with him. So by using the, the term private citizen is a way of very much formally, legally, every sense of the word, completely ousting him, distancing themselves, and protecting their own assets. So that way, if he is found guilty, they'll only come for his stuff. They won't try to come for the royal families because they're on, that's their way of legally keeping things separate. What could this mean for the princesses and the Duchess of York? Well, possibly nothing. Uh, princesses Beatrice and Eugenie won't be stripped of anything because this is, uh, if their father gets stripped of everything and kicked out of the line of succession, that doesn't affect them. It won't, it doesn't mean that they're out now and their children are out. Nope. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that, um, it just means that, that, that it's their, it's their father. It's just them. If he, I've saw where if he gets stripped of his dukedom, Sarah Ferguson could possibly lose her duchess title, but I haven't seen enough evidence to concretely support that. But more often than not, this won't really affect them. If they have to go before court and testify under oath, more than likely they will do so and just do what's expected of them legally. But if any judgments pass where he's found guilty and repercussions are being dealt and punishments are being dealt, this won't affect them. They're, it's not a sense of guilt by association in terms of, oh, your father's being stripped of everything, now you have to. No, they'll be able to retain everything. They haven't lost their HRHs. They haven't lost anything. How can the royal family come back from this? This is a really big shadow. This has been a scandal that has really ramped up in the last three years. And between all the drama with Prince Harry and Meghan, that still keeps coming up. This is something that will possibly cast a shadow on the rest of 2022. It will make ju the Jubilee celebration a little weird. It will just, in, just in general, it'll make things weird, in, in my opinion. They've done everything they can to officially, you know, bring out the 10-foot pole and go, you know, this is the line. Do not cross here. You're over here. We're over there. We are as distanced as we can. And they've completely left him and he's out at this point. He will never return to royal work. He will never return at this point to anything. He no longer has his patronages. And because he doesn't have his patronages, he's not doing work for the crown. So he's not getting the royal paycheck. So who knows how he's going to make money and who knows how he's going to pay his legal bills. The main public opinion really hasn't changed of the royal family as far as what I can see. And some have even supported the queen a little bit more in the removing of all of his titles and hearing that Charles and William were a part of it. It's that side of things in terms of, okay, you're finally doing something sensible. But it's also reinforced the thought process of, okay, now you're acting. You know, you could have done this a lot sooner. But I digress. Now, how is this different between Prince Harry and Meghan when they left, because if you can remember, when they left, Harry had to give up all of his military titles, he had to return his royal patronages, Meghan had to return her royal patronages, and they lost their HRH style to a certain degree. The big difference between these two is Harry and Meghan, while those were about a year's worth of discussions, they voluntarily gave those up in terms of, okay, if we're gonna leave, you we're discussing this, okay, we'll voluntarily give these up then, as far as my understanding. But they voluntarily left the royal family due to disagreements within the firm. And they actually can still use their HRH title for ceremonial purposes. 
So if it's a state banquet that they get, like an official state banquet in the UK, that's okay, great. If it's the coronation, okay, great. They still have them and can use them in that function. If it's a, something, an official ceremonial purpose in England. And also they just left for their own mental health. And in some, in many cases, people believe that the treatment of Harry and Meghan leaving was a little harsh in having to lose that much, but that's the general public public opinion. Prince Andrew is being accused of rape, and this is a completely different ballgame. And people have begun to compare, well, Harry lost this. These are two completely different scenarios that weirdly have the same punishment. So now we've covered public opinion, what the royal family's doing, all the facts. What's some form of general opinion? Well, here at the podcast, I'm I can say that I'm happy that he's facing some form of civil court that he'll at least be held accountable in some way, shape, or form. I'm happy that the royal family has distanced themselves and officially said, you're on your own, kid. And I do agree with everybody saying, yes, you're, you've acted, but this feels a little too late. I understand that. But it's typical royal tradition where they don't react to things unless they absolutely have to, and now they absolutely had to. I personally... I am advocating for the victim, Miss Guffrey. I haven't particularly liked Prince Andrew, if I'm to be honest. That's my own personal bias. But my opinion is that I'm happy that he is being held accountable in the court of law and that he is going to civil court and hopefully justice will be served in one way, shape, or form. What is your general opinion? Let me know. You can email it. Let me know on social media. All that. You can let me know. Now switching gears, kind of abruptly. Prince Harry has been in the news again, and he made headlines um, over this past weekend regarding security of his family in the UK. So in in general, my, my opinion, this feels like a weird story to be reporting on because there are some concerns, actual true concerns here that anybody would have. And I've, in my opinion, the press got a hold of it and they're doing their what they need because the press doesn't particularly like Harry. But what is the issue? Prince Harry, whenever he's been in the UK since he left Royal Work, his security's been inconsistent. When he was at Prince Philip's funeral, when it was just by himself, he had security. But when it was the statue unveiling of Diana at Kensington Palace, he did not have security. When he officially left Royal Work, his security was taken away. And this is official, you know, Metropolitan Police, the big gun security. He completely knows he's safe, not a different security company that may not have access to the right intelligence. A big point that was reinforced was when he was in London, uh, very briefly, his car was chased by photographers and there was no security there to try to protect him. He is uncomfortable bringing his family back to the UK if they don't have enough security. So both Harry and Meghan released an official statement, and it outlined a lot of these just general facts that we know. That they're citing this case, this case, this case. Our security's been denied, denied, denied. We pay for our own security team, but it's not enough because they do not have access to the right intelligence information. They don't have, you know, enough to fully protect us. And we don't feel safe over in the UK. The threat level has not changed. They, you know, still a prince and still a prince in the royal family. There's certain security detail that needs to happen. They've cited a few instances where they've tried to talk to Scotland Yard and the 
people that organize the royal security. The royals don't organize their own security. They have an office that meets with security and they plan together and then the security team goes out. It's a lot of the outside security plans everything and tells the royal family, here's what you have. Um, they've offered to pay it out of their own pocket, but they've been denied multiple times. What royals have uh, this protection that they so desire? Her Majesty the Queen, the, their Royal Highnesses, the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall, and their Royal Highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, have round-the-clock security. Intense security, they're safe, ain't nobody getting in. Uh, her Royal Highness, the Princess Royal, and their Royal Highnesses, the Earl and Countess of Wessex, only have this type of you know serious security when they're doing engagements. Otherwise, if they have security, they pay for it themselves, or it's something different, or they just don't have security. Their Royal Highnesses, Princess Beatrice and Princess Eugenie, did have security for a while, but a few years ago, it was taken away. And I remember the Duke of York was really angry about that, but it was taken away, and things seem to be fine now. The big issue here is that Prince Harry's US team does not have access to the proper UK intelligence information that is necessary to keep Meghan and the, his kids safe. He's offered to pay for it privately, but each time he's done that, he's been told no. He's saying that, you know, you've gotten the law wrong. We've, there's a misinterpretation here. I need this protection. I'll pay for it. And, you know, of course, we want the Metropolitan Police officers and so on and so forth. Now he's they're going to official judicial review to try to understand who went wrong, what went wrong, and, you know, can he legally be asking for this? Uh, the Daily Mail got a hold of this story and leaked it and were the first to officially report, report on it. More people have come out and i believe an officer came out and said you know this is an unprecedented situation that if we were to grant it is now setting an unprecedented standard for private citizens to hire the metropolitan police and get you know this level of security and intelligence information what is the public opinion on this oh boy howdy this is a mess this has further divided the public even more and a lot of people are saying that this is really bad timing in regard to everything that's come out with Prince Andrew. This in some ways is seen as a deflection to try to bring attention away from Prince Andrew. This is just really bad timing. Why would you choose now to leak this story or to start reporting on it? A lot of people are pointing out that Charles paid for security for Camilla for a few years out of his own pocket. And that was, you know, the big intense security. There's security that gets to gifted to former prime ministers. He's former officials. So other people have this security that's either gifted to them or they pay for it out of their own pocket. Why is it an issue now? Why is it an issue with them? A lot of people are pointing out that, uh, you know, this it's not necessarily 100% the royal family's decision. It's the security is handled completely independently and then they come together with like planning and going, here's the security plan, here's what we're doing, bada bing, bada boom. The Sussex Squad is going everywhere on social media. Girl, they found me and started uh, getting to me. And they're doing their thing, defending Harry and Meghan. And it's their right to defend them. But they make a lot of <laughs> a lot of attacks and bullying. And I understand why the Sussex Squad has their reputation that they do have. And of course, you're allowed to defend who you want to defend. And you're allowed to like who you want to like. But there's multiple ways to go about it. A lot of people are saying that this is a way for them to explain not attending the Jubilee. A few people are starting to read into it and go and thinking that this is a way for them to un to explain why they're not at the Jubilee because they didn't get invited. 
A lot of people are saying that they didn't get the formal familial invite, and this is a way for them to explain why they're not there. They didn't get the right security, and you know, Megan dug her heels in and said no. A lot of people are coming out saying this is a way for Megan to grip focus again, that she's not the center of attention, so she needs to have some form on her, that this is another form of her manipulation. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's really anti-Megan about it, and this is uh, a way for her to further alienate themselves more from the royal family. Um, One thing I've noticed, and granted I'm thousands of miles away, but from what I've read and seen on social media, the general public really doesn't care about them anymore. So, you know, why would they, you know, they're, it seems like they're making a mountain out of a molehill, but I digress. A lot of people have pointed out where you said, you know, this is going back to my home, my homeland. Well, he's using a lot of those type of words that can get emotional reactions out of people. And the general idea is, okay, but you were so quick to leave. And there's evidence that's come out that said you wanted to leave and not come back to the UK even before you met Megan. So, you know, is this truly your home? You know, why are you using these type of buzzwords when you don't necessarily feel them? My opinion and the general opinion here at the podcast is I completely understand and side with the fact of parents wanting to protect their children and people wanting to feel safe when there is enough of a looming threat where people don't like them and have a lot of malice to say about them. There was a report that came out a few days ago where it showed exactly, you know, these type of fake accounts that have been harassing, the lies that have been spreading, the and above all, just the negativity that's come out around the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. And I completely understand a family wanting to feel safe, wanting to feel safe in their own home, visiting family, wherever it may be, protecting your children, protecting yourself. I completely get that. I also am, you know, in the mindset of if you can afford it, go for it. If you want to pay for the security, go for it. In my opinion, I feel that the press is making a mountain out of a molehill here because the press doesn't necessarily like Harry and Meghan. And this is another way for them to skew the audience and report things a certain way. The one thing that came out where this would set an unprecedented standard for everyday people being able to hire security, there's even here in America, you can hire security at whatever level you can have access to the intelligence. So this feels a little weird. I have a feeling we don't have all the details. That's another opinion that I have. I feel like we don't have everything that we need to form proper judgment here. I think there's a few bits of information that haven't been made public. This doesn't feel like we have the full story. And all that this is doing is further dividing the press, further dividing the public, and not helping anyone's cause. This is only making things worse, in my opinion. We're coming to the end here, but we've talked about two really big, big things. The biggest one being Prince Andrew. We haven't had much time talking about him, and we've covered little little bits of stuff, but we haven't necessarily discussed the core of what all's been going on. We presented what we, what we have found of the facts, what we do know concretely, and at this point, we are now going to play the waiting game with if any updates come out, if they decide to seek a settlement, taking the temperature of the public, what's going on. But that's Prince Andrew going forward with civil trial to go to be brought forth on charges of sexual assault and sex trafficking. Whether he's found to be completely conspiring in sex trafficking as well, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Prince Harry, the other story of the week, 
with security that really gripped social media and truly hasn't left. And in some ways, you really can't see much reporting on Prince Andrew much on social media anymore. It's all just this Harry and Meghan story that keeps being regurgitated. Stay tuned as we keep ties on Prince Andrew and we keep our ear to the ground with whatever's happening there. I do hope that he does go forward with trial and that he in some ways gets held accountable for his actions and if he is to be guilty then for him to be found guilty and again be equal under the law. But there we have it. A very long, (laughs) probably our longest episode to date, but we needed to talk about Prince Andrew and I wanted to tack on this little bit of Prince Harry because it made such enough of a wave that we needed to talk about it. But let me know on social media what you think, what your opinions are. Have you been following along on any of this? What are your opinions? Let me know on Twitter, Facebook, you can email. But there we go. We've achieved our three goals on both stories. Trying to understand the facts, public opinion, and then coming to our own. Always, before you make any opinions known, do your research before you say anything. My sources for today's podcast are The Wall Street Journal, The Mirror, The Lawyer Angela on social media, Mata Effect on Twitter and TikTok, the Buckingham Palace Press Office and the Royal Family Official website, royal.uk, the BBC, Katie Manty on Twitter, the Sunday Times, the Daily Mail, ITV.com, and the New York Times. If you made it this far, thank you for stopping by the podcast today. I really appreciate you. If you would like to recommend topics for future episodes or let me know how I'm doing and how to improve the podcast, you can drop me a line over at the official email, britishroyalfanpod at gmail.com. I check it regularly and would like to hear what you have to say. If you would like to stay up to date on all things in the podcast and events in real time with the royal family, you can follow me on Twitter at fanatic underscore royal or head over to the official Facebook page for the podcast, the British Royal Fanatic Podcast on Facebook. If you feel so inclined and would like to donate to the podcast to suggest topics for future episodes, you can do so either on PayPal, linked on Twitter, or the official anchor page. There's a link there where you can do donations as well. Any and all would be greatly appreciated. Head on over to wherever you're listening to rate, review, subscribe, and share. The more you do that, the bigger the family can get and the more opportunities that can come to the podcast family. I would greatly appreciate that. Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe and stay healthy, and I'll see you in the next one.